Hi, this is Stuart Weems and welcome to the Investopoly podcast. My goal is to give you simple, easy to understand strategies, insights and tips to help you master the game of building wealth. And in this episode, I'd like to talk about the four reasons why I think the property market, and particularly I'm talking about investment grade property market, uh, will take off in 2021. Uh, I think, in fact, the rhetoric that uh, the media will be talking about, I mean, certainly this year, the media has been talking about, you know, will property crash? And there's been lots of predictions, uh, particularly towards the middle of the year, that, you know, property prices would fall 10, 20 or even 30%. And we know now that those predictions were incredibly wrong. And, uh, you know, back in May... I might hate to say I told you so, but back in May I did a podcast and a blog to say outline the reasons why I thought they were complete rubbish, and that um, property would uh, would uh, wouldn't fall by anywhere close to ten percent. Uh, as we know, it dropped maybe two or three percent, but uh, anecdotally, it looks like it's recovered uh, any of those uh, slight changes in value uh, already uh, this year. So I predict now that next year the rhetoric in the media will turn from, you know, values of fall, it's about to crash, to now our market is too hot, that property prices are overvalued, um, that we've got an affordability crisis, you know, all that sort of rhetoric that might suggest that, oh, look at the market, it's too buoyant, it's too high now. And I think that's what we'll be seeing next year. And there's four reasons I think we'll see a very strong market uh, and four reasons why maybe in the thick of it, if all we do is just look at the first, you know, just a few month period next year, we might look at it and go, wow, that's really strong performance. I am worried about prices, but I think we need to come back and take the long term view just as I did this year. We need to continue to do that next year. So what I'm encouraging you to do is, you know, just to hold tight um, stop looking at the media in terms of property price predictions and realise that if you invest in the right asset in the long run, uh, you'll do well. Okay, so let's talk about the four reasons then why I think next year will be a really strong year, but not too strong to the point that we need to become uh, over-concerned about uh, property values. Okay, so the first point is that we must remind ourselves that the last five years in terms of property price growth has been well below trend. Uh, So according to the Real Estate Institute of Australia, uh, the average median house price growth rate in Melbourne and Sydney, if you average it out, has been a measly 2.85% over the five years ended uh, June 2020. We don't have um, uh, Real Estate Institute doesn't uh, release the, the, the data like the, the uh, state-based ones do. Uh, so it, the data is a little bit old, but essentially, you know, nearly 3% or just shy of 3% over the last five years. So it's hardly, you know, a, a strong growth rate, particularly if you compare that to uh, the, the long-term trend. Uh, you know, the last 40 years, Melbourne, Sydney has been at 7.5%, even taking into account the last five years has been quite subdued. So less than half the average growth rate. And we know that uh, in markets, in all markets, including the property market, there is a strong trend of mean reversion, which means that periods of below trend growth are typically followed by periods of above trend growth, uh, and it normalises over time. 
And if we think about the past five years, we've we've had to endure, or at least the market has had to endure, uh, three um, very unique uh, but significant events in quick succession. And I think they're the, the, the items that have contributed to the below average growth rate. The first factor was credit tightening, and that really started in about 2015, 2016, um, and probably was at its most severe in 18, uh, for example. Uh, it's probably we've just got used to it, normalised a little bit, but certainly severe credit tightening really reduced the, the flow of additional monies into the, the property market. Uh, and so if money supply is tighter, uh, then that typically curtails growth rates. Uh, then uh, during 18 and 19, the market was digesting the likelihood of the ALP winning the election uh, and uh, getting rid of negative gearing and increasing the capital gains tax rate on property. Uh, as we know, in uh, May 19, uh, the ALP didn't win, um, but certainly you know, 12 to 18 months leading up to that election, uh, we were factoring or the market was factoring the risk or likelihood of those changes going through. And I don't really need to talk about what we had, what we endured this year with COVID, but really these three unique events have come in relatively quick succession over the last five years and really contributed towards the below average growth. Uh, and so it is very reasonable to expect that if there is not that X factor that occurs in 2021, like those, or similar to those three things, for example, unexpected or likely to have an impact on the market. If it's a pretty uh, boring uh, year, for example, let's hope it is, uh, then it's not. it should not be a surprise that we see above-trend growth. Now, remember, the average is 7.5%, so maybe we should be getting ready for something in, in the range of 10 to 20%. And if it occurs, uh, the, mar- the, the media is going to go nuts and say, look, property is overcooked, but all we need to do is point to the fact that the last five years, we need to make up for the last five years, it's been below trend growth. The second factor is interest rates. And I keep talking about interest rates uh, inflating asset values. And really low interest rate settings are put in place by governments to stimulate economic activity. And they stimulate economic activity in two ways. The first way it increases spending, both consumer and business spending. And the reason for that is that my interest bill falls, so the cost of debt is lower, I've got more cash and I can put that to use. And secondly, because money is cheap, it increases investment. Uh, And now I can invest in assets, either grow my business, invest in property personally or so forth, uh, and I can do that and the cost of debt is relative to the last 40 years or even longer, uh, it's cheap. Uh, and, and that's what the government hopes uh, a low interest rate setting uh, does that ultimately stimulates the economy. And it's a commonly econ- accepted economic principle that low interest rates tend to inflate asset values. So a property or a business um, or an asset becomes uh, worth more because the holding costs to fund that asset are lower. In my podcast in May uh, 2020, so May this year, I talked about uh, how in some situations or a lot of situations, it's actually cheaper to own a property than rent it and that that situation will not persist forever. And it can't. It defies logic. It's ridiculous. Um, otherwise, we'll all stop renting properties and all start buying properties, save for obviously the people that can't afford or qualify for a loan, uh, of course. Um, in the main, uh, they're, they're a minority 
uh, in the main. There's lenders out there that will lend to almost anyone. Uh, maybe it's not the big four, but most of us have access to um, uh, uh, borrowings. Uh, but it can't persist forever. It will change. And the only thing that can change is either rents fall, or sorry, rents rise, or property values rise. And I think pro- probably maybe both those things will occur, but I think it's more likely that property values will rise. And so that low interest rate setting has really created a situation where it's a little bit perverse, um, that it is cheaper to own than rent, but that won't persist forever. Uh, And uh, lastly, uh, the government slated some changes to borrowing capacity and credit rules that are going to occur or come into play in March, April next year. Uh, And that will increase the supply and flow of money into the market. Okay, so the third element is uh, that there's plenty of support, as we've seen throughout 2020, uh, from the government and the banks to underpin or help the property market. So uh, in November, we saw um, there was a few changes announced by federal and state governments. I mean, the federal government extended its home builder package Uh, New South Wales talked about um, getting rid of stamp duty and introducing annual land tax as a replacement of that. Uh, Victoria has announced some discounts for stamp duty um, for for some buyers. Um, uh, And so overall, uh, you know, the government policy is really around uh, underpinning the property market. Uh, And the same with the banks. The banks have been uh, more than willing to sort of help borrowers through this COVID period and I don't see that changing. Um, banks are taking the view that we don't want people, we don't want to go and sell assets uh, for people that are being impacted by an event that is not no, through no fault of their own. Uh, we'd much rather help people through that. And at the end of the day, the banks are in the business of lending money and charging interest, not selling properties. So it's in their absolute commercial interest to minimise uh, defaults and arrears. Of course, there will be some inevitable for sales, but they're not really going to dominate the market. Uh, so again, that that help, that idea that almost property is too big to fail uh, is, is really true. Whether that's right or wrong, uh, it's still true. And finally, the fourth element is that, you know, it, it looks like Australia will maintain its sort of COVID-free status. Uh, and certainly the economic recovery to date uh, is better than anticipated. And I think that trajectory will continue. Um, and, you know, even you're looking at some stats like, uh, for example, uh, the people on loan deferrals um, have reduced, it peaked about 10% of borrowers to now just under 4% by the end of October. And if that trend continues, and I'm sure it will, it's probably even lower today. Maybe it's closer to 2% today. And I think that trend will, as I said, continue right through until the end of March when these loan deferrals stop. And I think what they'll do, then do it is on a, a case-by-case basis. So uh, certainly there's um, a lot of support from there. We've seen credit card spending, uh, you know, which is a good measure of, of the health of the economy and consumer spending. It's up about, based on most recent numbers, 13% year-on-year. Year. So people are spending, and they're spending bigger. Of course, that's leading into Christmas, but we're comparing... Uh, with December last year or November last year. And lastly, it was interesting to note last week that the Westpac consumer confidence uh, figures came in at a 10-year high. Look, I think that's probably uh, stimulated a little bit by 
uh, Australians thinking that they're in the lucky country because they look at the news and and uh, m- most of the rest of the world's struggling with COVID and we're doing incredibly well. Uh, so that makes us feel very confident about Australia and our prospects. Uh, but also our um, you know, iron ores uh, doing well, that also helps the economy and the, the government revenue. But also our underlying economy is doing well. Of course, there's sectors of the economy that have been impacted by COVID to a much greater extent. So I'm not ignoring them. But at a macro level, the economy is doing really well. Australia is going to be a destination that's going to be highly sought after um, post-COVID because of COVID and because of the way we've handled and got through it. Uh, and in the long run, and we've got to play the long game, particularly when we're talking about property, uh, I think Australia is in a really enviable enviable. Uh, position. So in short, they're the four reasons why I think property will take off next year from a price growth perspective. Uh, I know that the media will switch to property is overcooked and we all should be worried, um, but I think we should ignore that. And of course, there could be an X factor that's going to pop up like there has been really for the last five years that have impacted the property market. Uh, Typically, a lot of these things are unpredictable. Uh, and they can cause a bit of volatility. So save for that happening, because if that happens, uh, you know, my predictions, I'll withdraw my predictions. But assuming that uh, none of those things occur, uh, and in fact, if if the rest of the world um, has a successful vaccine that they start to roll out, I think we'll see our property market um, do incredibly well. My final thought and observation is really about the property market and how it is so important in Australia. And it's important for consumer confidence. It's important for the economy. Uh, it's important for the big four banks that um, account for 80% of the financial services market. Uh, and that's not to say that I'm sitting here saying property can never crash. Of course, anything is possible. But because the property market is almost too important to fail, there's always going to be support from governments and banks. Uh, They all have a strong incentive to make sure we have a healthy property market. And uh, now we can sit here and argue whether that's right or wrong uh, and, you know, whether, whether it should be that way. But the fact remains that that is the case and you can use it to your advantage as an investor, knowing that this is just the status quo and it's almost certainly almost never going to change. Um, but the choice is yours. Or you can bang on to say, look, it's not right and it's overvalued and et cetera, et cetera. And all the comparisons to other global cities and geographical locations, a lot of them aren't comparable to Australia, which is not to say that Australian property isn't overvalued. I'm not even entering into the debate. Uh, the, the point is that really uh, we have uh, four major banks and a government that is well incentivized to make sure the property market is well supported. Uh, and also then it's well supported by population growth and strong economic activity. So there's some fundamentals there, of course, behind it. Uh, and, you know, you're a brave person, I think, to better against the property market in the long run, particularly if we're talking about investment grade property, so well-located blue chip locations. So that's it for me, in fact, for the year. Uh, thank you very much for listening to the podcast. Uh, Thank you very much for sharing the podcast to anyone else that you think might uh, enjoy it. Uh, As is customary, I'm going to take a a break over the Christmas and New Year period. So I hope that you and your family uh, get to enjoy some uh, relaxing time together and have a a safe and and, uh, very successful 
uh, New Year. And uh, I will uh, start again uh, mid, uh, mid-January. Uh, so until then, uh, take care and thanks again. Bye.